live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. I'm excited to have a very, very knowledgeable, very highly qualified guest today. But before I introduce him, let's talk to Jeffrey, my co-host and partner in crime. How's it going, Jeff? Man, like I told Boone, man, I woke up today. Everything else is gravy, man. Super stoked to be on here to talk with you guys again. Uh, it's always a blast, man. It's always a blast. Looking forward to this one. Good. So let's let's bring in Boone Cutler. He's a guy that's a, obviously a combat veteran, has uh, been through quite a bit in his life. He's an author. Uh, Voodoo in Cyber City, I believe is the name of the book. Also a columnist, music video uh, director. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, you also went through two years of recovery at Walter Reed Hospital, Boone. You know, tell us about, number one, welcome to the show. We're very Thank excited you, to have you, sir. But I want to hit right off just kind of what you've been through and talk a little bit about your injuries and, and those two years at Walter Reed Hospital and all the chaos that, that was circling around those days at Walter Reed as well. Yeah, well, I appreciate appreciate you both having me on the show. You know, I hear so many fantastic things. And, and when you reached out to me, you're like, hey, would you come on the show? It's like a little girl doing a little pee-pee dance. I was like, oh, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. But, uh, yeah, bottom line is I did spend a little bit of time uh, doing the combat thing, and I was injured in Iraq. Fortunately, I was not so injured I couldn't finish my tour. I finished my tour. And then at the end of my tour, I medevaced out and ended up uh, – first I went to – uh, where'd I go? First I went to, they, they shipped me to Balad. Balad, I got assessed. From there, they sent me to Longstuhl, Germany. Germany, I got assessed again. That's when, you know, a lot of the information started coming up about the traumatic brain injury, uh, some orthopedic injuries that I had sustained. Uh, the brain injury was sustained in a, in a mortar explosion. And then, uh, they shipped me to Walter Reed. And I stayed at Walter Reed from 2006 to 2008. I was there during the 2007 neglect scandal which I speak out often about because it wasn't so much that, um, you know, that that's where a real tragedy happened in our country and we don't talk about it enough. And <clears throat> it's one of those things that anybody who was there at that time will understand the situation. There just was not enough medical care for the, for the amount of wounded and injured that were, uh, that were present. And so we spent a lot of time on the drugs. We spent a lot of time on drugs. And it was just a, it was like a chemical prison to a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody wasn't trying to do their best. I really think people were trying to do their best. It just was not staffed to the degree that it should have been for the amount of people that needed care. And, you know, this is, there's a testimony in there that, that's a real blessing. And that is more people were surviving war than had in previous wars. The, the fallout or the secondary effects of that were there just wasn't enough to take enough care to take care of the people that were surviving. So the blessing is more people survived and where the improvement needs to happen is making sure that there's care for them in a non-pharmacological way. Uh, because that was, that was a big deal. There was a, a lot of us got hooked on a lot of drugs at that time and it, it went on for a long time. So, you know, I, I do a, a fair amount of public speaking about that and what are the alternatives, because uh, there, there are there are a lot of alternative therapies that are not seen as mainstream. But I can tell you from a guy who's literally been through every modality and every medical treatment that they had to offer at that time, 
that uh, that the alternatives worked better, and and they're oftentimes scathed, they're oftentimes put down, people are oftentimes um, you know ridiculed for trying something different, and I can tell you the stuff that was different was the stuff that worked. If you don't mind, speak to uh, what were some of those non-drug related therapies. Well, when we I'm say non-pharma, I wouldn't say non-drug. You know, first um, yes. of all. Uh, you know, the first one that worked right off the bat is I needed to sleep. You know, I hadn't slept in a number of years and people think that's crazy. But no, I'm not kidding. I hadn't slept in a number of years, uh, not without, you know, being heavily medicated. That was a big problem for me. And uh, insomnia was a huge issue for me. It was an issue for me when I was in country, too. It was just a, it was just a thing after being injured that um, I just, you know, and it wasn't so much a PTSD thing, but that was a that was a part of it. A lot of it was just something with my brain, you know, it just was a problem. And so, um, you know, I did the two years at Walter Reed, did everything they wanted to do. And then I did, you know, two, almost three years in the VA. And that just continued all the stuff that they were doing at Walter Reed. And it was all about benzos and ambience and chloral hydrate and, you know, stuff that you would never Stuff that I mean, seriously, when people look at my medicine profile, all the, all the medicines I was on, they really want to know two things. One, how am I still alive? And two, why isn't somebody in prison? Because the shit was just dangerous. It just yeah. was. And um, and then then I when I got out and I was in the VA system doing the same thing, you know, all those drugs stopped working. And so then then, you know, you start swallowing it down with NyQuil and a good amount of scotch just to get through the night. And then the next day, you got to spend two, three hours trying to get straight so you can go out of the house. It was just wow. a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, and the drugs and exacerbated the head injury, tremendously exacerbated the head injury. And I can go into how benzodiazepines and, and PTSD, or at least combat-related PTSD with TBI, really are, can be really super, super dangerous and, and actually increase suicide, suicidal ideation, and the uh, the ability to carry through with the suicides. So that's a that's that's an issue. But the first things right off the bat that worked is um, I got myself checked into the VA hospital into their psych ward, um, and I said I'm not taking any more any more drugs. And they said you have to, you'll go crazy. And I was like, fuck you, the door is locked. Let's go crazy and see what happens here. <laughs> and, and and I was I was behind two locked doors. Um, at that time, you know, you go on the psych ward and they have like the general pop side, the general population side. And then they got the, we need to keep these guys away from the general population side. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was on the keep the guy away from general population side, which was, that was one door. And then it was another door just to get off the floor. And so, you know, I wasn't going to hurt anybody but myself. And I was just so fed up with it all. And uh, so I just refused to take the medication. I went against medical advice. And in a, you know, it was a, it was a ward where most people spent three or four days there. They called it a stabilization unit. Well, I spent 17 days there. And, uh, by the time I was done, I was off all the drugs, all except for the, uh, for the opiates, but I was off all the psych meds and, but I still couldn't sleep. And at that time, I, this young kid, I, I, I'd run into where I was working. He said, uh, man, Hey man, you look like hell. This is when I got out. And I said, yeah, I can't sleep. And he said, why don't you smoke weed? And I really gave him a bit of grief about it, you know, being I wasn't one of those guys, blah, 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 blah. But then I went another day without sleep. And I, I really did some soul searching, laying in bed and thought to myself, I've done everything medical science has to offer. 
like literally everything medical science has to offer. I've done everything anybody asked me to do. It's just not working. What haven't I tried? I haven't tried marijuana. So the next day I told the kid, hey, give me some weed. He got me some weed that night. I slept five hours. I slept five hours without wow. any pain. I slept five hours without any nightmares. I just went, I just slept five hours. It was, it was amazing. And I thought, oh, this must be crazy. Maybe I was just so tired. I just collapsed. And, and that's why it worked. So the next day I tried it again. Sure shit. Slept five hours. No nightmares, no pain, no issues. And then it was just like, man, we've been lied to, you know, like <laughs> we, we have been so lied to about this thing. And, and they just continued to work. And then, you know, later on and, and more recently, it's psychedelics, you know, psychedelics are doing amazing things for traumatic brain injury. Absolutely amazing things. Uh, psychedelics for, for ADHD. Uh, I have like hyper vigilant ADHD that's just unbelievably mm. out of control and, uh, and chronic depression. Well, psychedelics seem to just make that go away instantly. It's like not even an issue. And it does. So there's somewhat a wide, a wide gamut of psychedelics. Are you, can you spec- specify which ones you're talking about? I'm specifically talking about psilocybin. Okay. I was just going to say, because they're using it more and more for PTSD and treating alcoholism and depression. It's fat, very yep. fascinating. And it needs to go on. I remember people talking about it when I was in the hospital. That was 2000 and, you know, 2006. And just now it's starting to come around. That's ridiculous. You know, yeah. it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, you know, uh, microdosing psilocybin mushrooms is is absolutely I see no problems with it. Uh, again, it's one of those alternative medicines that seems to be working very well. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, this is what's coming and it's coming in a, a much a much uh, it's coming in force. I was invited to a uh, to a workshop with the NIH. It was a three-day workshop, and, hmm. and, and Pat, I'll send you the link if you want to watch it. But it's yeah. a, it was a three-day workshop on psychedelics, and I don't. I listen. I have just. I was just fortunate to be able to get my way into this thing, and a good person that I know who knows what I do within the veteran community said, "Hey, this thing's going on. I think you should be there." Just out of the blue, and I was like, "Okay, I'll be there." And so I got into this workshop. And for three days, they talk about psychedelics. And it wasn't just the United States. There were 20-something other countries on the same workshop. And they were all talking about psychedelics. And the first day, you know, you hear these these very PhD, hoity-toity, you know, I mean, people who, you know, went to school for you know, way, a lot of their life who are, who are intelligent. And they talk about how in the 60s there was a lot of studies and it was a very promising but then everything stopped and they, they stopped this short of saying pharma jumped in, the lobbyists jumped in and they screwed everybody. Bingo. Okay? They stopped just that short of it. Uh, and then they go on with the whole with the workshop. And, and I'm there just trying to understand half of what people are saying. But I did understand that they say psilocybin. They said LSD. They say DMT. They say ketamine. You know, ketamine they refer to as the new psychedelic. You know, the other ones they just refer to as, as psychedelics and uh, and they talk about all of it and they talk about how it's been positive in, in all their different countries. And it's, it's something that should be pursued. And then by the last day of the workshop, they all kind of agree, OK, we've made our case. How are we going to roll this out? Here and, uh, you know, this is I mean, don't feel guilty on making money by investing by investing in psychedelics for medical purposes. Don't feel bad about that at all, because I think it's a very positive thing. 
And the ultimate thing is by, by the last day, they talked about set and setting. You know, it's, it's not something you should just prescribe and send somebody home. It should be, you know, in a, in a guided, in a guided way. Controlled environment. A controlled environment. And they were even so open minded as to say, well, what about uh, Native American rituals with a shaman? Is that set and setting? And most of the people on the call were like, yeah, that meets the requirement for set and setting. Now, will it roll out that way? Probably not. But um, it was discussed, and I could tell you it was very positive. And like I said, I'll send you a copy of the entire workshop. Listen to it for yourself. Uh, you know, bring coffee. It's a little dry, and it's really <laughs> long. But it's it's worth your time to understand what the people who make decisions are talking about. And just a few years ago, I mean, the first time I talked about cannabis on social media, it was crickets. Nobody said anything. But now it's very common knowledge within the veteran community for PTSD, uh, for sleep, to get away from pharma and smoke weed. It's very, very common. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's as common as talking about taking protein when you're working out. It's that yeah. common. Well, when you we know? talk about alternative, when we talk about alternative medications, medicines that are plants, organics, right? You know, right. because for thousands of years, mankind had accumulated a, a vast amount of knowledge about what roots and mushrooms and plants and flowers, you know, the different ones that aided mankind in healing and staying healthy. And then, you know, roughly 100 years ago, a guy named Rockefeller comes in and donates a bunch of money to prestigious medical schools and changes their doctrine and says you're going to prescribe, you know, petroleum-based medications and then called us the nut jobs who, you know, want to use organics that were created naturally uh, because they couldn't patent them. They went out, sent their scientists out to collect all these plants and mushrooms and flowers and isolate the molecules that did the healing and then created synthetic synthetic versions of them and patented them and then called the originals that were created by God alternative. And it's a hundred years of of straight lunacy that has gone on, you know, and, and so I want people to understand that you know, people, a lot of people are waking up and seeing through this stuff, but we can see the people around us because 70% of Americans are currently on at least one pharmaceutical drug. And I, I'm at grocery stores with another uh, veteran owned group, you know, that owns a supplement company and does uh, downrange excursions is their nonprofit. Good, good. Yeah. And I'm watching Americans shopping in these grocery stores and nine out of 10 of them are deformed, obese, Mentally, you can tell they're just mentally not with it anymore, and they're systematically being degraded, and it's 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 horrible to watch. And the 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 you know the agronomists of America, the horticulturalists, the the doctors, the scientists, the chemists are only educated in these synthetic chemicals, and they don't know about organics. They're not educated about the originals, the organics, and the power of them. And I've had some very colorful colorful conversations with some folks. <laughs> From those worlds, I can tell you. Brother, I mean, look at the issue here. You know, law schools don't teach the Constitution anymore, and medical schools don't teach about anything that's not pharma. Guys, we're getting screwed. Like, literally, yeah. as a country, as a people, as humanity, we've gotten screwed. And there's a huge awakening now. I think people are getting over it. They're getting over it really quick. I think that tipping point is just about here. And I know people who are healthier that use psychedelics and cannabis as opposed to 10, 15 different pharmaceuticals uh, than I do the, 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 the opposite. You know, the people that I know are on the ph pharmaceuticals, 
They're not happy. They they still don't get good sleep. They're asking their doctor for the next drug because this isn't working anymore, and the doctor's happy to do it. Um, and I'm not really blaming the doctors. I mean, at some point, it is their responsibility to figure out. I mean, you took a Hippocratic Oath that says do no harm. Well, guess what? Hmm. This shit harms. It does. It absolutely harms. And I'm not saying people got to stay baked out of their mind all day. We're not talking about that. We're right. not talking about that at all. So people try and twist it whenever I talk about yeah. alternative medicines. They're like, oh, you just want to be a dope smoking hippie and, and drop acid. And I'm like, well, no, but if I did, fuck you. Maybe I just do, you know, but um, I don't. And that doesn't happen. But my life, again, I can I can attest to the fact that literally for five years, I did everything medical science had to offer. And now when I look at benzos, I remember smoking weed, thinking to myself, this is everything they told me benzos would do that do- that doesn't happen. And you're always like cannabis. You're always using the minimal amount. You know, if you if you drop yourself a, a Zan a Xanax bar, you're committed to that dose, whatever that yeah. is. Oh yeah. But if you you know throw, smoke a little weed, well, you might hit like two, three, four hits and be like, I'm good. You're taking the minimal amount. It's not like somebody's stuffing a whole joint up down your throat. You know what I mean? You're taking the minimal amount. It really is the method for minimalists, and people don't get that. They don't get that. When it's so crazy, man, over the years, like Pat, you brought it up, like the concerted effort to demonize what's been around for many, many, many years. You know, I remember back in the day, the whole, what was it, the, the reefer madness videos of the 50s and 60s, like, you know, the, the crazy guy, you know, wanting to rape a woman and jump out the window. It's like the, the horrible job they did of PR of trying to demonize these things. And like you said, you both have said, everybody's starting to wake up now. And I think it's the ubiquitous nature of the education that's going on, the podcasts such as these, where people are like, wait a minute, this isn't as bad as what everyone says. And Boone, people like you who've testified, like, no, 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 I've been through the fucking pharmacological superstore of all the bad shit that didn't work. This stuff actually works. And like I said, you know, psilocybin's now being treated. Ketamine's being used to be treated. Depression. People are starting to begin to understand these alternative um, applications of a lot of these things that have been demonized so for so long. Are we going to get everybody to wake up? No, because so many of them bought into all of this notion of, like you said, oh, you just want to be a dope smoking hippie. Like, no, you know, unfuck your mind for a second and realize I'm telling you as somebody who's went through all the bad stuff, this actually works. And you're one of many who's testified or has testimony of like, no, this actually works. And the other stuff didn't. When Pat, I mean, I don't mean to ramble, but when Pat starts talking about the, the soil that our food is grown in, there's yeah, this revolving yeah. door of poisoning us, getting us sick. And then we automatically go jump through their hoop of whatever pharmacal, pharmacal, you know, pharmaceutical thing that they think is going to treat us, which of course creates its own side effects of this side effect. We got to put you on more stuff. And again, there's this huge demonization of the understanding of what real self-care is. And that's eating real good organic food and treating ourselves with medication. That's not laden with all this garbage. Not to interrupt, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we grow our own food, you know, in, in the backyard. It's not a big deal. It's really not hard. It's amazing how a small garden, the amount of food that will yield out of a small garden. Yeah. I'm like, why did we ever go to the store to buy this? It's just ridiculous. And now they want you to reg. Have you seen this? They want you to register your garden. 
Oh, community gardens and things like that. Yeah, they're they're talking about you, you've got to register them so that they can keep track of who's growing their own food because you know what that is. It's just like gun registry. It's the same thing. Well, it's the demonization always, it's always of self-sufficiency. Yeah, and, and, and during COVID, when they would put cha- crime scene tape over around the the seed bank or the, you know the seed things on the shelves, you couldn't get your own seeds. So you, you know, the, the demonization of self-sufficiency is absolutely next told, level. I have told everybody I know that right now, like everybody's the prepping shit. You know, I mean, everybody understands that there's funky funk going on, and we don't know how <laughs> this is actually going to turn out and how long it's going to take to get through it. I told everybody, no, you should have five years of seeds on hand right now. Yeah. Right now, you should have five years of seeds on hand because that's going to be an issue at some point. Yeah, and knowing how to, I mean, take a couple of the tomatoes, slice them, take all the seeds out, separate them, dry them out on paper towels, you know, on all the plants that you grow. And you can use those seeds over and over and over for for years to come. And that's something that's obviously super Super important to be able to do. Now, getting, getting back to the marijuana thing, you know, I always try to look under the surface of what's happening. And we're seeing a lot of kids die from fentanyl-laced marijuana. And in my belief, it is a deliberate act to demonize and scare the shit out of people about marijuana uh, to kill a bunch of people. And they have no problem sacrificing a bunch of kids who are who are accidentally getting into fentanyl-laced marijuana just to give it a bad name. You can see it happening. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a big part of it. I think the other part of it is its disruption. I mean, if you look at it as a as a military operation, as a covert action or covert influence operation, it's dis- disruption because where is it coming from? It's coming from the South, okay? It's coming through the drug cartels that are being fed by the Chinese Communist Party. So when you when you do look underneath the whole thing and you draw it back, okay, why why does that happen? Well, that happens to disrupt the country. That happens to disrupt uh, the way people. It's to overload medical systems, to cause grief, to cause disruption. And so you pull that thing all the way back, and the first step is it's coming in through the cartels. The second step is where are the cartels getting it. They're getting it from the Chinese Communist Party. They're getting it from the CCP. They're getting it from China. So. You know, this is an ongoing, uh, ongoing warfare that is happening with the CCP as part of their unrestricted warfare doctrine. And it's, it's going to continue. It's happening literally everywhere. You know, I mean, the, the COVID-19 pandemic in and of itself was what we refer to as a psy act. You know, it was a psychological action to change it, to change an environment, to change the way people think about things. And, and it's effective. And now, you know, cutting down supply chains and all this other stuff. Again, it's disruption. It's disruption. It's disruption. Everywhere you look, this is this is happening, and and people think that they're in crazy town. Like everything <laughs> is crazy. Like I can't get the food that I used to get. You know, people are acting different. You know, I, I the people go to the store and they see people of a different racial persuasion, and now they have a problem with each other where you know they they really didn't before. Not not a specific problem, uh, or they, if they did have problems, they were specific problems, not this general problem. You know, yeah, generality. Yes. It just seems to overshadow everything. Well, this is messaging, you know, this is all part of fifth generation warfare. And I tell people, and this is my background in the military. I know what I'm talking about. Um, but this is, this is what I tell people. If you, if you feel like your world is in crazy town, just go, just do us all a favor. Go look up something called a regular warfare, then look up hybrid warfare, and then look up unrestricted warfare, and then read about fifth generation warfare. It's very simple to do. 
if you do that and look around you, if this, if this, if this, if the definitions of these things resonate, well, then you know you are in an active war environment. This is what's happening. It's the war of perception, the war of narratives. It's about disrupting a country with its own people. It's about disrupting the, the politics with its own, with its own people. It's taking over a country from within. And which is a lot cheaper than dropping a, a nuclear bomb on somebody, but it causes the same effects. Now, when you talk yeah. about, you know, this, this fentanyl lace this and fentanyl lace that, or just, you know, fentanyl coming into the country, you know, that is coming in from a certain place. And who's not protecting the border? You know what I'm saying? Okay, who's not protecting the border? It's two people that are really one, or two groups that are really one. You have the RNC and you have the DNC. Well, together they make the Uniparty. And if you search, research what a uniparty is, you come back to the Vanguard Party, which was designed by Lenin. It's a Leninist movement. It's to take political parties, take the people in the political parties to preserve and to for, uh, to, to preserve and to create a, a, a globalist agenda, to forward a globalist agenda, and then the two parties become one. And guess what? You're in a socialist environment that's moving towards communism. And it's going to go that way. First, you have to start with the conditions of the environment. The conditions of the environment 10 years ago would not do that because people had things. People had uh, supply chain. There were no supply chain issues. But as people have less and have less and have less, they start to desire. And then somebody's going to step up and go, you know what? If we collectivize everything, we'll all have enough. You just have to <laughs> give up a few rights. <laughs> That's the game, guys. This is the move. This is what we do other places. This is what's being done to us. Go look up irregular warfare, hybrid warfare, unrestricted warfare. Do a little research on fifth generation warfare and just ask yourself. Don't take it from me. Who am I? I'm some asshole in your fucking podcast. Don't take it from <laughs> me. Go just look at it and then ask yourself with your, you know, with a, with a good amount of reasoning. Use your critical thinking skills and say, does this shit fit? If it fits, now you know what the fuck is going on. It's not crazy town. This stuff is not random. It's not ambiguous. It is doctrine. Well, is and like doctrine. you said, it is It is the, our previous conversation or before we got on air. This is definitely by design. And as Pat, part of our tagline of our show is the asymmetrical approach to all the different threats in the world. On our previous podcast, we talked about asymmetrical warfare. It's way from from a PR standpoint and from a financial standpoint, it just costs too much damn money and it looks really bad to be lining people up, blowing people up. But when you start talking about asymmetrical warfare, whether it's propaganda, covert ops, financial stuff, the grid, et cetera, it's, it might be different, but it still has its same effect. And we are seeing it play out right in front of our eyes. And it's less easy to discern. We know when a bomb's dropped, okay, that is an act of war. But some of the stuff we've seen – during our conversation with G. Edward Griffin talking about his interview with uh, Yuri Bezmenov and ideological subversion, this has been going on for decades. It is basically soft kill weapons, silent weapons for silent wars, and you don't see it happening, so it's hard to discern it. But like you said, the impact is still the same. We're still dealing with the impact of it. I, I think it will be it will be interesting at some point in time if guys like you with your podcast and myself with the work I'm doing on the side and the people I do it with – if we can get ahead of this fast enough so people understand that, A, they are the weapon, okay? They are the weapon. Their mind yeah. is weaponized. And if you don't want to be weaponized, there's things you can do to prevent that. But you have to be willing to accept the fact that this environment is the environment that you're living in. And, again, just P 
people need to go research these things that I talked about, irregular warfare, hybrid warfare, unrestricted warfare, fifth generation warfare. It all fits under the umbrella of fifth generation warfare. Sure. Hybrid, unrestricted, and irregular. Nonlinear, yeah. Yeah, they all fit under the same umbrella. But if you see that happening after you do your own research, then then you have to ask yourself, okay, how do I protect myself? And and we'll have that conversation. We'll come back on here. We'll have that conversation. I'll bring a very good friend of mine uh, that I'm hmm. doing some work with, and we'll have that conversation about, hey, how do you protect yourself? Sure. Well, and, and first off, we've got to start with health. You know, for a lot of people out there, that again, we've got to go back to the power of organics and concentrated organic nutrients that we're not getting from our food anymore. We've got to be able to tap into those, and that's what's going to help your immune system so that to get rid of the chemicals and the heavy metals and all those sort of things out of your body, to be able to have proper cellular function and proper gut health, all of those types of things. So that deals with the chemical as well as the biological prongs to this type of warfare, right? So if I've got an immune system of, of a mule and they can't do anything to me because my immune system is so powerful, I'm good in that, in that part of things. Then, you know, we've got to, address the psychological part of things and not feed into the bullshit that's being fed to us by media and a lot of other areas where people are buying into this and being revved up by it, you know, and all, all the different components of this. But it all starts with health. We've got to be able to stay healthy through all of this stuff so that we're not vulnerable in that way. If people are stocking up on ammo and guns, well, that's great. Uh, I'm just telling you, though, we're probably not going to invade ourselves. So, but what we are going to have to do is we're going to have to eat through this entire process. And we're going to have to eat healthy because we're taking care of ourselves and we're going to have to have sustainability. It's a very big thing, like what, what you're talking about, Pat. Sustainability. Are you sustainable on your own? And if you're not, how do you get there? Well, it starts with food, food, yeah. shelter, warmth, right? What's at the top of those three? Food. You know, you got to have that every few hours. And good water. And good water. And so if you're not starting there, uh, you know, you're already behind the power curve. I mean, you're not not behind the power curve. You're screwed up. And so that's that's an issue. You know, that's that's a real issue. So, yes, sustainability is an issue. As much as people want to go buy ammo and all this other stuff, I think that's great. Go buy ammo. I'm I'm a huge gun nut. So, yeah, go buy the ammo. We'll go hang out together. But when we're not shooting, at some point in time, we got to eat. Are you are you doing what it takes to be sustainable with your own nutrition, with your own health, with your own medicine that you can grow for yourself? You know, self-sustainability and having a good circle of trust is literally going to be half the battle. Well, like Pat has said before, I mean, we allude to health so often on the show, let food be that medicine and medicine be thy food. If you're not here because your health has been compromised then the, your your guns, your storable food, everything else, your your rounds are just sitting there collecting dust. It starts with us being here because we're healthy enough to be here. Yeah, I mean, people have seen uh, it, it, guys. I got I got to explain things. This will make it very simple. This isn't going to be like Red Dawn, okay? Everybody thinks Red Dawn because they saw the movie. It's yeah. going to be more like the French Resistance, okay? <laughs> Go study that. That's a little bit more like it's going to be as opposed to Red Dawn. So take Red Dawn out of your brain housing group, put it in the back, <laughs> shuffle it back there, put it in here, go study the French Resistance. was just talking to my best friend today about the French Resistance, bro. That's so crazy he just said that. <laughs> it's what it is. It's the truth. You know, we got people have to change 
the way they believe things will occur. We're talking about fifth generation warfare. That whole Red Dawn thing, you know, that's third generation. You know, seriously, that's third generation warfare. We're two generations beyond that now. That's not how the fighting is done. And just like we have generations for people, like you've got Gen X, you've got boomers and millennials, well, there is equally generations of warfare. And right now we're in the fifth generation of warfare. And, and it's about perception and narrative. Without getting, you know, too political, maybe I'm too late, but Biden recently, President Joe Biden, Slomo Joe, Oatmeal Joe, recently made a comment about you can stave up all the arms you want, have as many guns as you want, many rounds as you want. You don't have Hellfire missiles. You don't have Predator drones. You don't have F-16s. Where I mean, not that it was it's kind of a tacit threat, but what are your thoughts on that? Because it kind of lends itself to the conversation of the kind of warfare we're talking about. It's not necessarily people with guns trying to fight people with Predator drones. Just what are your thoughts on that that comment that he kind of alludes to the fact that he recognizes that people are stocking up for something? But obviously, there's no parity necessarily in our munitions. We don't have the same shit they do. What are your thoughts on on that statement he made? My first thought is you have to understand who his audience is. See, a United States president is not always speaking to the audience of the United States. Sometimes the United States president is speaking to another audience for other political reasons. Mm. So in some ways, he could easily be speaking to another audience that he is aligned with, telling them, hey, don't worry about the United States getting out of control. I'm going to put this under wraps right now and let people know it's futile. And now I can tie that back. We go to the CCP again, which is our our biggest threat is the CCP. I have very good friends that are, are very astute, knowledgeably, when it comes to what's happening in the CCP, uh, very astute. And I mean, we're talking about local nationals from the CC from from China, and they they all tell me the biggest threat to China is the fact that the United States exists. Mm. They will never get their own people under control and in a line so long as their own people can look at the United States and say, "I want to be free like them," ever. So they literally have to destroy the United States in order to get their own people in, in line, and this is an issue. And this is why Americans need to continue to be Americans, protect the fact that we have a nation state that is worth defending from our borders to our people to everything that is our own culture. Uh, this is important. And and understand that it's very, very important to understand that when you see someone speaking in a public fashion, understand who their target audience is. The target audience is may not be the people standing in front of them. Right. It may be yeah. somebody else that you're not thinking about. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, the, the way they're keeping everybody off balance, you know, so, you know, you dealt with in all the combat missions that you had to go on, you know, the fight or flight, the, the, the system just constantly revving up and down and up and down, and adrenal fatigue and everything else. Well, that's what's being done psychologically to Americans right now who are aware of what's going on. It's, it's that constant keeping people off balance, you know, mask, no mask. Uh, you know, this, that, mandatory, oh, not mandatory, constantly keeping people off balance, uh, in fear and a lot of other, a lot of other psychological tactics that they're using where people need to see through that, number one. And two, people need to gather and be around people who are like-minded for, you know, you've got, you've got to be able to, um, confide in each other and, you know, go to the gym with people that, that, uh, are aware of this stuff, get stronger, 
you know, be an example and, and show people what they need to do to get through all of this stuff and grow the like-minded people and help people get healthy and be able to bring them back from the other side so that they understand what, what the, you know, what's being done. And like you said, weaponizing these people's minds. The first thing we have to do, you know, there's four stages to destruction. Okay. The first stage, the first phase is polarization. When you polarize somebody, when, it, when a populace becomes polarized, you've activated their fight or flight response, just like you were talking about adrenal fatigue. Once you activate that fight or flight response, you override the critical thinking. So the first thing I'm going to mm. do, like say I'm, I'm conducting some sort of operation, I want to get a group of people to kill another group of people. First thing I'm going to do is polarize them. Then I'm going to tribalize them. Once you get polarized, tribalized, the next thing comes is dehumanize. You dehumanize the people. And after dehumanization, then comes killing. So this, this arc of destruction is evident everywhere when you look at any type of killing anywhere, whether it could be very compressed, whether it's at, a, at an event and it's your team against that team. In the military, what do we start with? We start with polarization. You go to basic training. Hey, guess what? Your team is the best team. The other team sucks. And guess what? We're going to give you a uniform and shave your head. Now you got from polarization to tribalization. Now, all of a sudden, a war needs to get started. The next thing we do is we dehumanize the enemy so we can be effective in a kinetic environment. Okay, so these things are these things happen over and over again. And if you watch that same arc, that same continuum of polarization, tribalization, dehumanization, and killing, look at our own country. Where are we? Are yes. we into polarization? Oh, yeah. Are we into tribalization? How many people do you know that have moved from one state to another recently just so they can be around more people like them? That's tribalization. Okay. How about dehumanization? Oh, mask, no mask. How many of those people have dehumanized the other group? There's your dehumanization. So if we don't pull back from this polarization, all the other steps just happen in succession. No, you're, I mean, again, not to allude to too much. Anyway, we've spoken about this at length, um, Pat and I on different podcasts, et cetera, there was a, there was a documentary called genocide worse than war. And Pat and I just talked about this the other day. It doesn't happen overnight. Like you talk about there's stages to this, whether it's Rwanda, Serbia, you know, Pol Pot's Cambodia, and you're absolutely right. Um, and I think we've gone through so many of those stages and I don't want to say we're at the precipice of some kind of genocidal madness, but you've heard the rhetoric People talking about this political side or the other political side, they're not even human. Those aren't human. So they're using that language of dehumanization because the only way you can do like what they did in Rwanda over three months, almost a million people with freaking machetes, is to no longer see that person as a human being. So we've gone through, I think, a lot of those stages to the point now where, you again, you hear the rhetoric of this side's not even human freaking beings. So all it all it takes is like in the case of Rwanda, uh, the president of Rwanda and Burundi got assassinated in a in a in a in a in an airplane crash, and then it was on and popping from there. And you heard on the radio, "Kill the talls." I mean, this this um, the, the dissension between these two tribes have been going on for quite a while. But all it take all it took was that catalyzing event to set it all into motion. The same with whether like again the Balkans, Paul Pot, you name it. But you're spot on. And I'm just wondering your opinion on. I mean, you already kind of just dissected it. Are we – we're already at, the, in my opinion, the dehumanization step away from things going really fucking bad, or do we still have some more time? 
Let me let me let's talk about human nature real quick. And uh, we start with polarization, tribalization, dehumanization, and killing. Let's just let's just boil that down to something less in to less critical. Let's say uh, a football game in America. Key point in America, American football. The first thing you start, you got your team. Say it's a, you're going to have a tailgate party, right? You got your team. That we're going to beat the other team. We're the best. Polarization, okay? Tribalization. I'm wearing my team's jersey, okay? We're tribalized now. We're tribalizing. Now you go to the game. You're done with the game. You're on your way outside of the game. Maybe you won. Maybe you did it. Maybe you had a couple too many drinks. Now you see the other team. Now you dehumanize them. Now, literally in a time span of just a few hours, you've gone from zero through the entire continuum, and now you're in a fist fight, your team against that team, inside of a ballpark. It happens that fast. It happens all the time. You must have listened to our show before because we've talked about that very thing. It was an incident. I forget. Name any arena, but the guy walking out with, I think, his son, his children, beaten to death because he had the wrong jersey on. This is the way humans behave. I hate to tell everybody, but this is the, this is, this is humans. Okay. Humans do this. So if you look at, if that can happen in, in a civil place, in a nonviolent arena, in something that is public and seen as enjoyment, entertainment, now you tell, now you extrapolate that and you go, okay, now we're going to affect the same rules on an entire culture. And this is this is technique. This is doctrine. This, there's nobody that doesn't do this. I can bring, I can make the same case for Andrew Jackson and the Native Amer- and the, the indigenous people of America. Okay, same game. I can make the same game. It doesn't matter if it's Mao Zedong. It doesn't matter if it's Stalin. It doesn't matter if it's Hitler. It doesn't matter if it's Andrew Jackson. Okay, everybody does this, but humans aren't aware of what the process is, and so they get caught up into this funnel and they go with it and go with it and go with it. And then a couple decades after it's all over, people go, how did that happen? Yes. Oh, why my gosh. Always... Why, why did they allow that? Well, it's because they were caught into they've lost their critical thinking and they've been polarized, which is the manufactured sense of life and death. That's what polarization does. It creates a manufactured sense of life and death. Well, yeah. I've always heard the best the best social engineering occurs when you don't realize that it's happening. That's what fifth generation warfare is all about. Everybody's a game. Everybody's a player in this game. Like literally everybody. And I keep running around going, "Hey, listen, your neighbor's not your enemy. Trust me." Right. And the us and them dynamic has to change. Right now, the us and them, the in group, out group, is mass versus no mass, Republican versus Democrat, white versus black, male versus female, trans versus everybody. Okay, these are the in group, out group dynamics. What people don't realize is we are all the in group. We are the in group. The out group is those that are doing the manipulation. That's the real game. And when you realize that we are all the in group and the people fucking with us are the out group, then the game changes because we're all getting played. Every single one. Every of us one of played. us. Yes, yeah, sir. Because I see it as I, you know, in in my best, you know, humble opinion, I guess is the best way to put it, is the media has such control and power to manipulate the human mind right now. I, I, I don't even watch TV. I haven't watched TV for years. But you can see how people are so controlled. And then all it takes then is, in my mind, in the current situation, is food shortages, supply chain issues, 
and then then it kicks off when they turn everybody loose, right? And that's that's the way I see this. The way they say those people are the problem. Those no, it's those people. Those people are the problem. And all of a sudden, food shortages, supply chain issues, and energy energy shortages. Energy shortages. Right. Okay, we're talking about oil, gas. You know, I mean, energy shortages. Food shortages, yes, people, they want somebody to blame to feel better. And then they start tribalizing even more. And then it only takes the media to go, oh, those people. Those people. Yeah. And well, I think it's so important to grow your own food, right? Everybody uh, should have is, a backyard garden. Everybody. And I, Every I single think, body. I suggest everybody, whether we do have now a, a best of the conspiracy farm on the platform we're on right now, I definitely think people should go check out episode 150 with the late Rosa Quarry talking about Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, because this is all by design. And something Pat said that so resonated with me uh, going back to the days of, of, you know, the heyday of COVID. And in this didn't even have to be COVID, but Pat said, look at what people are doing to each other now. And this is with full bellies. Wait till this happens where people don't have full bellies anymore. And I've heard the whole equation of it. All it takes is seven or eight or nine meals and you start doing some shit that you wouldn't normally do. But and I think that's and they start getting evicted. Okay. Yes. Look in look in some of these cities where literally the state is buying up property. The state is buying up apartment complexes. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's even going to be corporations. It doesn't matter. As soon as these people don't have jobs, the inflation is so high, and now they're getting kicked out, well, now they don't have food or a place to live. They're going to blame somebody. And it only takes a very coordinated media to tell them who to blame and another coordinated media to do the same. See, we're in these different feedback loops, and and I, I just want to say this, and I believe with all my heart. People don't hate religion for the sake of God is bad. People hate religion, or some people hate religion, I'll preface that, because they believe it causes wars, it causes hatred, right? Well, what do you think is happening with your favorite news station right now? Your news station has become a church, and your favorite news commentator is a pastor, is a priest. They're preaching a religion. It doesn't matter if it's Fox, CNN, or MSNBC. These have now become churches, and for the same reason people, some people don't like religion, the same reason they should not like the way these news agencies are acting. And nobody gets a pass. They're all doing the same thing. Yeah, and it's, it's incredible how, how the entire apparatus of the media is, has been co-opted. It's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, they have, they're masters, that's for sure, of, of what they've done to control everything and control the narrative across the board. And, and it's, it, it, it I just, there's, I'll, I'll lay awake at night many times thinking about, you know, how easily people are being manipulated and just going, why can't they put on the pair of glasses that we're wearing and see the world for what it is and recognize it? It's, it's bizarre. You know, the, the combination of the pharmaceuticals and the messaging, right? Alchemy and, um, and and the words, the words, the uh, spells they're casting on people's weak minds and weak bodies is it's it is incredible to watch as you call it's, it, Jeff, the dark arts. It is, it is, and it's also like straight WWE. As much as I'm an old school professional wrestling fan, I don't want it to go away. But it's a it's an interesting uh, euphemism for what you know the macro what we're talking about. You still have people who watch wrestling and they they know it's fake, but they still lose their shit. 
You know what I mean? They still like Every, oh. everybody, everybody <laughs> likes a soap opera, right? Everybody yes. likes a soap opera. I mean, if everybody didn't like a soap opera, Q wouldn't be so popular. Right. It's just another soap opera. Come on, guys. It's just a right. soap opera. It's a rumor campaign. It's a way to, to do a, it's a messaging campaign. It, it, it manages emotions. And, and I respect the technique. It's done very damn well. Like, it's very brilliant. Well. Like, it it's is, yeah. brilliant. Wickedly I brilliant. I respect the technique, and more and, pe- more and more people are, are paying attention to that soap opera. But, I mean, soap operas have been around for a long time, and it's not because they're entertainment or entertaining. I mean, come on. We've watched – we've all had to be forced by our mothers to sit in front of one mic to live at some point in time. Okay? That is not entertainment at all. But for some reason, they watch it every day because they want to know what's going to happen next. And And that same mentality has been – has been co-opted because we're humans and it's being weaponized and we got to, we got to wake up. And, and you we, know, quite we, honestly, we're not, I don't think we will wake up. I think this whole thing will turn into a, a massive shit storm before anybody, before any leader is able to stand up and, and be the leader that people all, that all the people respect. I just, I just think, well, I think our, our media is co-opted. I think our government's co-opted. I think like you say, supply chains and food has been co-opted and, and I think it's for a, an intended purpose. And those out there, I'm going to recap because you may have just tuned in. <laughs> go look up irregular warfare, hybrid warfare, unrestricted warfare. And under those, those sit underneath the umbrella of fifth generation warfare. Go research just those phrases. Spend, even go to Wikipedia. I don't care where you go. Just go look at it and then ask yourself, does that feel like what the fuck is going on? Because if it does, now you have an answer for what you haven't been able to describe. And, and this also, like, again, to repeat this, if you listen to the uh, the work of Yuri Bezmenov talking about the stages of ideological subversion, it's all these different steps, demoralization, crisis, et cetera. It's very similar to what you're talking about. And something that I've, you know, Pat and I have said all the time, the, the solution to the problem is almost irrelevant unless you recognize the problem that is there. That, that there is even a problem. And I think, again, this is so wickedly brilliant what they've done. They've, they've weaponized our intrinsic, inherent tribalism and to, to get us, you know, playing these groups off against each other. But it's a larger thing, especially when we get older. You can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. Not only do some of these normies who don't fuck with any of this, if they were to really entertain it, it's like, wow, I'm being lied to about this. What else am I being well, lied to about? So- that's and then, what that, PSYOP is all about. But then not only not only what else am I being lied to about, the older we are, whatever age you are, you recognize what then do I do about it? And most people, even when they recognize that they put their head right back in the freaking sand and start keeping up with the Kardashians because it's so vast. It's so big. The size of all of this manipulation is so big and it's been so big for so long. It becomes daunting of like. What the hell? I can't do anything about it. I'll just go back. I'd rather just go back to sleep almost. Get that blue here's pill. Something that, here's something that I will point out. That at the beginning of this, Jeff and I talked about this quite a bit. We recognized and we were saying that this was coming before it even arrived. And then when we saw what was going on in China, you know, they're showing the, the people having convulsions in hospital beds and people collapsing on sidewalks and all the other stuff that they were doing to scare the shit out of American citizens. We were saying, do not comply. Do not put the mask on. Do not close your business. And if 50% of the people, 30, 40% of the people would have recognized what was going on and said, no, I'm not going to do it, we would not be in this position right now at all. And so for my little 
sense of sanity and, and grabbing the world, I said, let's do a freedom picnic. We're going to, we're not going to comply. We're going to do a freedom picnic. And a couple hundred people showed up at the park, talked to my local mayor, said, Hey, leave us alone. It's just a bunch of families with their kids playing in the park and grilling food and having a good time. The local newspaper comes out, takes pictures. There's a bunch of kids on the playground equipment with the caution tape all over it and stuff. And so a bunch of people who had bought into this stuff are going, oh, my God, you're a bunch of murderers and this and that. And then Michael Nunn, who's the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world, he and I said, let's do an exhibition fight. Let's bring the communities together, you know, people of all backgrounds, different colors, races, creeds, religions, and let's bring the community together. And they kept trying to cancel it on us, cancel it on us. And we finally just said, we're doing it. Either way, we're going to do it. And we had, you know, what did we have, four or 5,000 people show up at the wow. county fair, and we were the only, the only combat sport event going on in the entire world because yeah. he and I agreed to go and get in the ring together and do an exhibition kickboxing match. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I respect that guy an awful lot because he he put his his reputation on the line, and we both got in there and we did it, and we had a lot of people come out for it. And all I was trying to do was trying to get people to recognize that they can take back their freedom at any time in this whole process. If everybody just comes together and goes, no, we're not going to listen to you anymore. You're done. You're done manipulating us. And that's what we need people to wake up and do. We do. I couldn't agree more. Stop the polarization. Your neighbor is not your enemy. It's just the the people, the, the other parents you see at the schools picking up their kids at the same time you are. Not your enemy. Right. The pe- right. They're just as fucking confused as you are. Yeah. They're just as scared as you are. They're just as uncertain as you are. And it's because the enemy is polarization and whoever is creating it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's, it, and it's, it's so nauseating right now. I mean, any election season, every two to four years, I see all these ads and it just exacerbates what we're already talking about because I already hear people just around me. Everybody's seeing their fellow human being as the other based off of their politics or, you know, whatever their politics, their race, their gender, their orientation. And again, it's so freaking frustrating because it's like, don't you guys see the balkanization, like how we're all, like you said, we're all being played, man. You know, as much as we like to talk about politics, it's not to get too deep, but it's the eugenics who hate us all. I don't care about white, black, red, blue. When, when COVID happened, they weren't just closing one person, one group's business. It was everybody. They're doing this to all of us. Yeah, I worry about you know you say you say certain things, but you know look at Yugoslavia, look how that split, and look what happened after it split, and how it split, and how you know what we got some scary shit coming, and it's uh, I don't mean to be a doomsday guy, but this it is, is kind of my is, it's kind of my wheelhouse, you know. I mean, I was a psyoper in the United States Army. And that doesn't mean I'm brilliant or anything, but that and a few other things I've done make me pretty astute to what's happening right now. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a hell of a network that we built and that network is going to start training people, start, start bringing people's awareness levels up. Um, I just hope we're not too late. And I see you guys as part of that network. You know, you'll put out the message. You're, you're doing what you're doing. And it's very, very important. People are watching this right now that they, I hope they understand how important your show is, how important it is to put literally your reputation on the line for what you believe and being able to risk the ridicule 
to take away your livelihood. You know what I mean? That this this is hero ship in, in its in its simplest form. It's about people being able to risk their livelihood, being able to risk what they built and say, you know what, I will put that on the line because there is a greater good. And the greater good means humanity must fight against globalism because it's happening. And once it happens, there ain't none, there's no undoing it. But we're at a place right now where we can't still resist. There are people around the world right now begging for America to stand up so they still have something to believe in. And yeah. every American can be a part of that. Right. And I, I certainly felt the dehumanization process and the cancel culture having just, uh, you know, just being in Washington, D.C., just to observe what was going on out there. We weren't there in support of Donald Trump. We were there because we knew something was going to go on. I lost my broadcasting job because of it for no reason. I didn't do anything illegal or anything like that. So I felt this firsthand. Oh, I'm taking donations, by the way. <laughs> but no, but uh, so anyway, Boone, hey, I know that there's some things you probably want to push before we jump off here. We, we don't want to take up all of your time. And so please, by all means, you know, plug how people can find you on social media or get in touch with you on your websites and businesses and some of the things that you're doing. My name is Boone Cutler. You, you will hear from me again. Uh, I hope to come back on the show, but um, I don't want to plug myself. I just want people to go research for their own with their own critical thinking, irregular warfare, hybrid warfare, and unrestricted warfare, and make your own decision. And then once you make your decision, remember that all of this sets under the umbrella of fifth-generation warfare. I don't care about what I – I'm not here to plug anything. I'm just here to get a message out. All right, brother. Well, we appreciate your time. We're definitely going to look forward to having you back on. Yes, sir. As things progress one way or the other. So for our guest, Boone Cutler, the great Boone Cutler, and my co-host, Jeffrey Wilson, this is Pat Militich signing off from another episode of the Self-Defense Warrior Podcast. Thank you, Boone. Thank you, guys. Thank you, brother. Hey, have a great one. I shall. All the way. Out here. Great stuff. Thank you, sir.